Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And welcome to our garbage pail kid. If you grew up to be an adult, we 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 really didn't have a theme. We were just roll, just we were just rolling with it today. Our people suck. Our That's, people suck so hard. Yes, they do. Yeah, Terry Shepard from Sunday was a real bad, a real bad sucker. He was. He who was. You, who are you bringing us today? Um, I'm gonna give you guys a heads up. This case is awful. Grab a tissue. And a drink. Okay. Grab a drink. Grab a blankie. Whatever you need. It's it's definitely going to crush your soul. Okay. Not a good... There's no way to transi- transition from that, Amber. So, so hit, let's just dive pause in. pause and get what you need. We're going to have a... Emotions are going to run high okay. today. We're going to have a hell of a time together yeah. today. You may need to hold me again. It's been a while. <sighs> It is one of my favorite parts of podcasting. <laughs> Rocking Amber. Just a bonus to the job. <laughs> right. Um, no, this is it's a horrific tragedy that I'm going to share with you, but also a part of this is there is actually an incredible young survivor out of this case. Okay. And so I'm going to share that part with you as well. Now, I'm going to uh, tell you our survivor's name is Cassidy Stay. Oh, I like that. It is. It's, it's a... It a very hits. pretty name. It just hits in a really unique way. I yes, like it. it does. I am going to share Cassidy's story, but before that, I need to tell you about our repulsive troll okay. named Ronald Haskell. Oh, I even think he's his a name junior. Is ugly. Well. He's a disgusting person. Sorry if your name is Ronald Haskell, <laughs> and you're not in relation. You're a right. lovely person. You're lovely. I'm sure. <laughs> and we're not judging you, but this one is awful. Um, but you need to understand who he is and the background, and and it'll all come together. Okay. But I need to tell you about him first. So Ronald Haskell Jr. had a relationship with who the woman that would have been Cassidy Stay's aunt. Her name is Melanie. Her name previously was Melanie K. Haskell when she was married. She was married to Ronald. Okay. Um, now Melanie and Ronald they were together for about eleven to twelve years. I saw kind of different variations and articles and they lived in Cache County, Utah at the time that they were married. They got married in 2002 and during the time of their marriage the couple ended up having four children of their own. Okay. Now in the beginning of the relationship Ron started to show signs of being controlling right away. Mm. He didn't want Melanie to work. She was to stay home with the kids. He was the sole provider. Blah, blah, and, blah. Yeah, so we, we know the, the song and dance we with do. this. know that type. Yeah, and so that happened, I my understanding is, pretty early on yeah. in this relationship. Sure. So what started out as that controlling piece, it escalated into what we know as severe abuse Mm -hmm. both psychological and physical wow color me shocked yeah and it sounds like this went on for a long time so we had a horrible domestic violence cycle going on and it ended up becoming daily that the abuse was happening to melanie ron would hit choke punch and 
basically drag Melanie around on the floor oh in front of their four children. This is the level that it got to. And Melanie also would report that Ronald became very abusive to the children as well. Oh, my God. Like I said, the family endured many years of of this abuse from Ron. And Melanie stated that she didn't report the abuse because she was truly scared of what he would do. Sure. And I don't want to take away from that. Right, right. We understand that. So, like I said, they were were together about 11 to 12 years total. She put up with it. That she had to <sighs> I can't imagine what they went through. Long. Oh, my God. I really can't. Um, but finally, in June of 2013, enough was enough, and Melanie finally gathered up the strength to leave Ron. Okay. So, at first, when the couple separated, Melanie was still in the same area as Ronald, and this would soon present as a major problem. I'm sure you can guess yeah. when we talk about domestic violence, our abusers don't necessarily respect boundaries and And limits and a ppo doesn't keep them away either. right by october of 2013 melanie had obtained a protective order against ronald and like we said he wasn't obeying it sure they never do now in the process of the the divorce because she did file for divorce it was put into their divorce decree that ronald would have supervised visitation with the children Because of the abuse that happened, Ron was ordered to complete a psychological evaluation and he was not to be alone with the children until he was determined stable and fit, basically. Yeah, that's appropriate. Now, he did not respect these orders, as you may have guessed. Wow, that surprises me too. So he was violating the PPO frequently. He would show up at the children's school and, you know, try to get them unannounced, Mm -hmm. which he was not allowed to do this feels like all of my cps caseload just coming right back i know in my face. i know we see this happen so so much <sighs> now for melanie this was getting to the point where she was not feeling safe of being in this area she couldn't fully get away from him she didn't no. want to be with him right but he was not having that oh the courage it had to have taken for her to leave just to get out Ugh. just to get out i know no she knew that ultimately she needed to leave the area so that's what she did plan to do okay katie stay which is melanie's sister um she helped melanie leave utah okay with her four children and they relocated to texas and this is where katie lived with her own family okay um and katie had five children of her own as well wow big big families yes now katie was described as a spitfire she was vocal and she was very adamant about helping her sister get out of this relationship yep so there was no secret that she she wasn't having this. Mm-hmm. Like, she believed in standing up for what's right. And so she was really on board with, like, getting Melanie and the kids out of there. I love her. Okay. Me too. So in February of 2014, ironically, on Valentine's Day of that year, um, she was with Melanie at the, like, the final court hearing. There was a rough custody battle. I think that I'm Ronald sure. was trying to fight for some kind of custody, even though... He was clearly not fit to have the children. Yeah. You know how the oh yeah you know power the and control dance. struggle. Yep, I'm gonna try to get that control. Even though he didn't want those freaking kids anyway, it was all the power, power of taking and control them away from yep. her. And so, I mean, it sounds like it was quite a few months of that, just back and forth battling. So when it was final, everything was over. 
Um, Melanie basically high-fived and celebrated with her family, like, right at the courthouse that day. She was free. It was great. Amazing. Yeah. So the whole family was, like, celebrating. Imagine how they all felt. Yeah. Like, such a relief to just be done Mm -hmm. with this man. She didn't have to live there anymore. He didn't win. Well, Ronald saw this, obviously, because he was a part of this uh, court hearing. Oh, I bet that rubbed him the wrong way, didn't it, Amber? You you could say that. Now, as Melanie went on to Texas to have this fresh start with her children and things were starting to get better, Ron Haskell was spiraling I'm sure. down into a very dark place. Mm-hmm. This was a lot this of what anger. what happens when abusers lose control. Yeah, exactly. A lot of anger, a lot of rage. Um And in the months following the divorce, Ron would begin to start portraying this anger and violence toward his family. Now, I didn't get into an extensive amount of history like before Melanie, but I would gather that this wasn't the first time that he showed anger and violence toward his family either. No, right. But it really heightened after the divorce. It really heightened after Melanie left and she was free. Mm -hmm. Now he's got to put it on someone else. Yeah. Exactly. Ronald's mother, her name is Carla Haskell, she would later testify in court to an incident that occurred right after Ron's dad had come home from having cancer surgery. He had, I can't remember what cancer it was, but something, you know, removed. Oh my goodness. He had just come home from surgery and Ron became enraged over something. Like there was an argument between them and he shoved his father almost down a full slide of, a flight of stairs. Oh, my gosh. Now, his brother was there at the time and had to body slam Ronald to stop him from fully pushing his father down this flight of stairs. He would have probably killed him. Oh, my. I just cannot even imagine this scenario. I know. And it so it was described from family members that when Ronald got angry, there was nothing that could stop him. It was like this complete zero to 20,000. And there was nothing you could do. So it really did require, like, uh, physical intervention to stop him. Ronald's sister had requested a restraining order against him. And also his mother stated that she wanted to get a restraining order Mm -hmm. following an incident I'm going to share with you um, as well. In the months following the divorce, all of this just started to escalate quite a bit. Um, We already had abusive controlling Ron. Mm -hmm. Now we have... Like, very dangerous Ronald yes. starting to evolve. Ronald, who feels like he has no control now, so he's going to abuse any chance he can to get control. Yes. So by July of 2014, we have red flags screaming. Like I said, his behaviors had escalated to a point that he really wasn't safe. Yeah, oh, for sure. And so by July 3rd, There was an incident with Ronald's mother, Carla. She had asked him about a check that he was supposed to give to Melanie. So my understanding is the conversation indicated that there had been an interaction between Carla and Melanie. Mm -hmm. This sent Ronald into a complete rage. And Well, I imagine in their court order they can't communicate, so they have to communicate through someone. Probably. So just hearing Carla say this and and ask about the check and say that she had been in contact with Melanie, he flipped and he physically attacked his mother at that time. Amber, I could not imagine being physically attacked by one of my children. I know. Especially not one of my adult children. To this degree, no. 
No. So what happens is Ronald begins choking his mother. She's in a chair. He begins choking her, stating that he's going to kill her. At some point, Ron's mother lost consciousness, and she recalls kind of this, like, fading in and out where she would come to and see Ronald staring at her, but she said it was a different Ron. Like, we, you know, we already had issues, but this was, like, he was different. Okay. He was, like, staring her down with no soul, Yeah, and so she would lose consciousness and then kind of, like, come back and remember seeing him, and he would choke her again. This happened for several hours. Oh, my God. Shut that up. he had her basically hours? held captive. And just taking her out and having her come to and taking her back out. Yeah, and I don't know oh how many times God. this happened, but she did re- describe several times that this, yeah. this had happened. And she said she must have lost consciousness, even though she didn't remember everything. But yeah. she, she did end up soiling herself in this process. Oh, so she definitely lost a lot of consciousness she of had, herself. She had yeah. to have. So after a couple hours of this going on, Ronald ends up taking his mother out into the garage and he puts her in a chair and duct tapes her to the chair. Fully duct tapes her so she can't move, she can't get away, and he leaves her there. So she is there for four hours duct taped to to this chair and basically couldn't do anything and couldn't call for help until someone came along. Right. Eventually, um, Ronald's sister did come to the house and and found her mother in this condition. Oh, my gosh. So, obviously, she sets Carla free, and they do end up calling the police immediately to report the incident. This is when Carla was like, I need a PPO against him. Yeah. Which I hate to say this, but... Like we were talking about, those really wouldn't have done anything. No, no pieces of paper do not keep abusers away. They, they do really not. don't. But she did want to, you know, have one. And so they called the police. And I don't know why or what the delay was, but it took them several hours to respond to the call. Are before you they fucking got there. kidding me? That's my understanding. It took at least like two hours for them to get to the house. Did she leave out the way that she was strangled for hours and tied up and left in a, or excuse me, guess duct no. taped? I'm going to guess she didn't. So I was like, oh, this what? is not okay. What? I mean, I know they triage calls and whatnot, but I'd like to know what else was going on in that town that was more important than an older woman yes. strangled. To near death. And, yes. And like she could have died. So, yeah, it took them a while to respond. They'd get there and... Carla tells them what happened, which did result in them trying to find Ron. So this is in the but area. This is hours later. It's I mean, he left her later. for four hours. Yes, the key so he's is six hours gone. At this point. Yes, the key is this. It was hours later before they started searching for him in this any way. Me off. And she probably needed medical attention. I'm sure I she mean, did. She's an older woman yes, and was strangled several times. Yeah, it's just a horrible situation. Now, Ronald left. He didn't indicate where he was going, obviously. He left his mother in that chair, and he took off. I'm surprised he left her alive, really. I honestly am, too. Like, did he have the intention of coming back and finishing it off, you know? Um, You know, I I don't know. And what what I'm going to get into, um, I think, was the ultimate plan. Okay. Maybe this is what sparked the plan into action is just knowing that she had had contact with Melanie. I don't, you know, I don't know, but yeah, definitely a terrifying situation for his mother. 
So no one can find Ron. They do a search. He's not anywhere locally to be found. So about a week goes by and there's no trace of him. So no one's heard from him. No one's seen him. Police can't find him. Nobody really knows what he's up to. I am sure this was horrifying for his family. Absolutely. Not knowing, like, is he coming back? What's he doing? His poor mother. Oh, my goodness. I know. I will tell you that while no one knew where he was and what he was doing, Ronald was coming up with a very carefully detailed plan of what he was going to do next. He was basically laying low, but this is kind of what he was doing during that time. They wouldn't discover this until after the fact. Sure. But he's plotting in piecing this together. It was very clear this this had been plotted out. Okay. so what Ron Haskell did during that week is he did make a stop to an ex-girlfriend's house, which is interesting because Melanie, he and Melanie were married for 11 years. So I was like, gosh, that's a long time. Long ex-girlfriend. Right. I'd be curious the details. But what he does is he breaks into the house and he ends up stealing a nine millimeter gun from that home. Shit. It would later be discovered from detectives that Ron also stopped and made a purchase of a very large quantity of 9mm bullets. And he also stopped to have a nice steak dinner in Las Vegas before booking himself a room in the spring area of Texas. Wow. How lovely for him. Treating himself. Yeah, he's had a hard day. It would also later be discovered that Ron had taken names and addresses of all of his ex-wife's family members who lived in the Texas area. Oh, Jesus. So he had collected all of this information. So on July 9th of 2014, Ron Haskell treated himself to a movie solo at a theater in uh, Houston before he headed over to the address of 711 Leaflet Lane in Spring, Texas. He was dressed in a FedEx uniform as he knocked on the door of this home. Mm. A little backstory of that is Ron used to be a FedEx driver, so he had like an extra uniform. That's from terrifying. His job. Okay. Right. Yeah, it really is. 15 year old Cassidy Stay answered the door to see a full troll in yeah. a FedEx uniform. Yep. He is disgusting, I'm just saying. The man asked her if her parents were home, and she recalled the man holding a duct-taped white pillow. This would later be discovered as what Ronald Haskell had brought to use as a silencer for for his 9mm gun. Okay. But at the time answering the door, she didn't know what was going on. Cassidy told the man that her family wasn't home, so he left for a short time, but then he ended up returning. I always tell my kids we're always say we're always home. We're always home. Yes, you just can't come to the door right now because we're taking a shit. That's all you have to say. Mention diarrhea, something for sure scares yeah. people right away. But seeing this guy in a FedEx uniform, she was probably like, you know, they right. have a package or yeah, something. Of course, and she didn't think anything of it. So when Ron returned to the door, Cassidy didn't recognize him at first, and. This obviously was her former uncle Ron. Right. That she now I will tell you that. Him in, like, a shaggy beard versus cleanup, he looks totally different. Uh-huh. Neither one looking good at all. Sure, but, right. like, different. So I don't know if he, at the time of his arrest, he is, like, fully bearded and, like, shaggy. So I'm guessing that's what he looked like, and she probably didn't recognize who yeah. he was. Plus, she lives in Texas. He lived in Utah. I doubt that they were, like, spending super close. Yeah, a lot of time together, and she's a kid. You're you know? right. Yeah, so she didn't know who who this man was. 
he did inform her that he was her ex-uncle Ron. Mm. And at that point, Cassidy tries to get away and shut mm-hmm. the door. Because she knows. She knows. About him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the whole family knows. I'm going to trigger warning you at this point. Okay. I'm also going to lean on the Lord here to get through this, okay? <laughs> All right. We can do this. Jesus be with us. Okay. Um, Cassidy tries to shut the door, but Ronald Haskell forces his way into the home, threatening with his gun, threatening her. When he got inside, he discovered that Cassidy was alone with her siblings, which included her two brothers, Zach, age four, mm. Brian, age 13, or 14. I saw both, both ways. mentioned. Okay. And her two sisters, Rebecca, age seven, and Katie, age nine. Wow. So they were all home. She all must kids. have been babysitting. Yeah. She was the oldest. Ron immediately ordered all of the children into the living room together, and he demanded to know the whereabouts of his ex-wife. Um, the five children truly didn't know of course where not. she was. Right. And she wasn't living at the home with them at the time. Yeah. So they didn't know. They didn't have an answer. And he kept asking when the parents would be returning home. And, you know, none of these things they they had answer for. Of course not. They are fucking children. They're children. Bridge troll. Go back under your bridge. Yes. Get back Um, under there at the depths of hell where you belong. He really does. And so Cassidy told Ron, I, you know, I don't know. They're running an errand. They shouldn't be gone long, but I'm not sure when they'll be home, basically. What do you want from them? They're kids. Exactly. This is so stupid. I know. It is. It's awful. Now, Cassidy remembers seeing Ron very much in control of the situation, calm but demanding. This would be an important piece of information later when Ron's attorney tried to claim insanity. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But she remembers him very you much. You know what? That attorney can rot in hell, too. Seriously. I don't even care. Seriously. So Ron was waiting, and he was, like I said, asking where the children's parents were. Cassidy recalls trying to appeal to Ron's humanity, if there was any. So she was purposely trying to mention the children's names Mm -hmm. and that Zach is only four. Smart girl. And, you know, mentioning their ages and trying to personalize who they were, hoping that this would help him to realize that these are just children. Like, Mm -hmm. please don't hurt them. But unfortunately, he's all demon and no human. He is. That's probably a great effort, though. So it really, on her part, like, mm-hmm. what a smart and thinker. Also, no, my four-year-old brother doesn't know where his aunt is right now or when our parents are going to come back. Yeah. And A short time passes before the children's parents do return home. 39-year-old Stephen Stay and 33-year-old Katie Stay arrived back at the home. Ron waited behind the door for them to enter through where he put the gun to the back of their heads. He asked the couple to sit down with their with the children on the couch. And when Katie saw Ron was in the house with the gun, you know, holding her children at gunpoint, she did lose control of her bladder as well. Sure, And, you know, this just, this shows like the fear fear. that this man. I was just going to say, say fear instinct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He must've been, I mean, the family knew how horrible he was already. Absolutely. When you have that much information of how terrible a person is and there they are holding your children Hostage, I would piss myself too. Oh, I know. I mean, me too. He asked, and she's had five children. Her bladder is not strong, right? Bless her heart. Such a good point. It it does get questionable even after one. Yeah. So, I I just can't like I can't imagine how horrible that moment no, was. No, exactly. Walking in there. Yep. He asked where Melanie and the kids were. He had said he was coming for his children, and they didn't 
tell him anything. They didn't know where where Melanie was. Right. So they, you know, either didn't really know or they weren't giving in to right. him to tell to tell him where they were. I don't know where my sister is right now. And you so he I wasn't mean? like, like this was making him angry. He wasn't having this. So when he wasn't getting those answers, Ron immediately ordered the family to lie face down. Oh my God. Where he proceeded to tie their arms and legs behind their backs. Like I said, trigger warning guys. Yeah. This is, this is a horrible case. Katie and one desperate last attempt to save her family after she realized what was going to happen, um, she jumped up and tried to to basically fight Ron. But before she could oh. get anywhere, he pulled the trigger and she fell to the ground immediately. Oh. So as she, the rest of the family, to save she her did. Children. She did. Which I can't blame her for just, you mm. know, like she wasn't going to lay there and watch. Didn't they give her a fake address? I I wish. This is horrific. It is. As this happens, the rest of the family is laying there crying and begging for their lives. Ron proceeds to finish tying all of the family members up. Like I said, hands and feet, both bound behind their backs. One by one, Ron Haskell lines up behind each family member and he begins to shoot them in the back of the head, execution style. What the fuck? For absolutely no reason. Just for simple... Power and control, revenge. Yes, no reason. Literally no reason. Cassidy recalls hearing shots fired as each one of her family members is basically being killed. This poor girl. Now, as Ron comes up behind Cassidy, she at very last minute makes this desperate attempt to protect herself and she puts her hand to the back of her head. Okay. And in doing that, the bullet hits her finger. Oh, shit. Cassidy does end up losing a finger from this. Okay. But whatever she did, it deterred the bullet enough. The bullet did graze her skull, but it only it left her with a skull fracture. Oh, my God. So she was still alive. Holy shit. After being shot. It, the bullet did not kill her. That's why some of this, this is her recollection yeah. of yeah. what happened. Sure. Afterwards. Oh, this poor, poor girl. So she's still alive as she hears the rest of the bullets fired into her family members, uh, the remaining ones being her brothers, uh, her sister, and her father. At this time, Cassidy... This might be the hardest case I've ever done. Yeah, this is is really, really bad. So at this time, Cassidy remembers hearing a voice whispering to her to keep quiet. And whether this voice was one of her family members whispering to her or some kind of divine intervention, we still don't know that. It remains unclear. But she did hear a strong voice whispering for her to, to stay still and keep quiet. So she basically played dead the whole time. I think it was her mama. I think so, too. I really do. But she laid there very still. She listened as as Ron moved about the house after he was done. Like, he went to another part of the house briefly. She was able to very subtly look around when she was laying there and see her family members laying lifeless around her. And she recalls seeing her father lying next to her. And he had put his his arm around... um, the youngest brother Zachary mm-hmm. in attempt to protect him, mm-hmm. but he was also he was also shot as well. When she did look at Zach, she noticed that he was still breathing, and she was like, you know, oh my gosh, he's still alive. Yeah, he's still, you know, maybe he could be saved. Um, unfortunately, after the fact, Zach does pass away at the Aww. hospital. I believe there was another family member as well that that was still. Um, alive but they they did not make it oh. so ron moves around the house 
you know, I don't know what he was doing, but he goes Looking to the other part of the house or something possibly, but eventually he does leave. He doesn't stay long. Um, he does leave. Cassidy lays there still until she hears him start the car and wow. fully leave. Like wow. she waits until she hears the car drive away and then she immediately pops up and tries to find her cell phone. This girl is amazing. She you is. how much pain she had to have been in and, emotionally and, and physically. Exactly. And she also, I mean, she was shot, so she was losing yes. a lot of blood right. too right. during this. But she does find her own cell phone, which somehow Ron did not take or wow. find. And so she calls 911 immediately. Oh. Now, oh, Ron. those first responders. I know. I, I you would never recover from mm-hmm. that. I'll never recover from this. No, honestly, yeah, this case is really it's bad. horrible. Um, now, when she calls, she also warns them that Ronald is probably looking for her other family members. Oh wow! That they are in danger. Yeah, because that's. I mean, he was looking for Melanie yep. and his children. Yep. Now, you know, she probably saved lives it's by doing this. Amazing to me that she could think of that in that moment. I know. And not just be hysterical and shocked. It's it's truly amazing. And I don't know that Ron disclosed his plan because, like I said, he had planned this out yeah. very, very carefully. But she knew that those the other family members were in danger. Mm-hmm. So she notifies them immediately, gives addresses, like he's probably heading to these and places. she's 15, everyone. Keep that in mind. I know. That's the astonishing part of this. Now I'm going to tell you something that's really going to chap your ass. Oh, great. So when Ronald left, before he... Um, continued his mission on to find the other family members. He did take the time to stop and go through a uh, go through a quick drive through at a fast food restaurant to get himself a nice cold beverage. Oh, shove after, up your dick hole, man! After Seriously? he had just murdered an entire freaking family. Yeah, he, he took the a, time. He was parched. He was parched. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly <laughs> treating himself again. He had a steak dinner, a movie. This was just a nice little rendezvous for him. Oh my god. So, like I said, that was later discovered, but he did do that before carrying on to the rest of his journey. I hope in hell every day he just gets a sewing needle stuck right into his eyeballs. I, just in and that's out. That's the least day. that That'd we could great. ask for. Mm-hmm. Now, so using the, the um, information provided by Cassidy, thankfully they were able to intervene before he got to one of the other family members' houses. Okay. Um, they were able to, like, meet him and route because he was headed exactly. Like, Cassidy was right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was headed that way. Now, this did end up in a high-speed chase that lasted for about 20 minutes. Um, this involved about two dozen cop cars, all, you know. Do you wonder? I bet he was shitting himself wondering how the fuck that they knew already. Oh, you know, that's a good point because he thought he'd killed everyone yes. when he left. Yep. So, and that he had plenty of leisure time to get himself a little coke. A drink. Yeah. I got time. I'm just yep. going to finish my mission after I rehydrate. Yes. And get back on the road. Right. I hope he soiled himself. Yes. I me do. too. So, the, the chase lasted about 20 minutes with all of these cop cars, and they did end up disabling his car with the spikes. I mm-hmm. love those. Yeah. Love the spikes. Me too. 
it's so exciting to like, you know, watch everything oh, deflate. Yes. It's like almost like cartoonish, but it really does work. Right. It does. So <laughs> they, they got him with those. Now he didn't give up immediately. Um, he did stay in the car with his gun held to his own head. Oh, of course, of course. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He did speak to police on his cell phone. This lasted about two hours. It was kind of like a standoff with like, is he going to get this out? This is why I couldn't be a cop. Because I really would just be like, someone like, right. snipe his ass. That's a wrap. Yep. We're done here. It's, One in it's the ear done. hole. We're good. Problem solved. Let's go get a snack, guys. Yeah. It's, we're, we're done here. It's 5 o'clock. I'm off the clock. Let's go. <laughs> now, eventually after, it, I'm sorry, it was three hours, not two. It was no. three hours of this going no. on. Ain't nobody got time for that, no. Ronald. He did end up surrendering to the police, and, you know, he did go he with He was probably thirsty again. Yeah. His it's like my, was out. My beverage is gone. Yes. It's time to go. So, um, they do take him into custody at that time, and- on July 10th of 2014, the very next morning, he was charged with six counts of capital murder. Mm. Um, he made his first court appearance on July 11th. Now, one of the unfortunate things about this case is because we know how legal issues go. We know how that debate of insanity versus not so it was drawn out for a while while he got his it, psychological testing, yeah, wasn't it? It was drawn out for quite some time, and he had various court appearance, appearances um, in 2014 and 15, but this trial didn't actually take place until 2019. Holy it took shit. Years. Five, five years, I believe. If I'm, It's not that hard to figure out an abuser, people. I mean, they're, they're not that fucking complicated. There's a witness to this. Right. I, I mean, it's clear he did it, but yeah, it took five years to get to this trial. That, Obviously, that he was in custody, yeah, you know, this I know, time, but... but still. For Cassidy, though, yes, it it just breaks my heart. Yes, and for her, his ex wife, you know, that was her sister and her nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. and all that time to not have any closure to this and just have him sitting there in prison, just waiting. I'm to sorry, see. jail or wherever it is they hold him for that long. Um, so the fall of 2019, this trial finally started. Uh, the trial did last for a couple months, just presenting all of the... couple months? Mm-hmm. A couple months. I think it was two or three months that it lasted what total. What a waste of taxpayers' dollars right? on this idiot. Right? I, I agree. Again, it's not that complicated. Like I said, they his attorneys were trying to argue that he was insane. No, yeah, like I, I had said... They fuck off, too. I hate this guy so much that I also just hate anyone that was willing to get paid to even try to, to stand defend up him. for him. I agree. Yep. He is on the top of my list. Yeah, you can... He everyone, is horrible. Any family member either that wants to try to defend him or be like... Well, he just isn't right in the head. No, he's an abuser. He is. And so his attorneys did try to argue, like they weren't trying to argue that he did this because he did. I mean, it was factual that he did it. Right. But they were trying to get him life in prison basically because of his mental health issues. He did have a history of mental health issues. He was diagnosed previously with schizoaffective disorder from what I saw. So there was some mental health issues there. Obviously, he had issues. Listen, mental health issues are not your fault, but they are your responsibility. And you weren't taking care of them, so that's on you. Preach to the choir. So I I agree. So I still hate him. The prosecution argued for the death sentence in this case because they they said, no, this this was out of anger, hatred, Mm -hmm. 
and fear revenge. and vengeance mm-hmm. strictly. He knew what he was doing. He took a week to plan it. Right. Right. This wasn't sporadic. Like, Mm-mm. you know, he didn't a break in his mental state. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't leave his mom's on a rampage. He took a whole week to do to right now. Calculate this out of what he was going to do. He probably would have had a better t- chance at that defense had he left right from his mom's and went and did this. He even practiced some self-care on the way. Right. A steak Got dinner in Vegas. Old- like. Yep. A movie. I mean. Got a ribeye and enjoyed himself a a little show. I hope he had indigestion for days. Yes, I hope the red meat constipated him. I do too. Um, And gave him high cholesterol. For sure. That's still affecting him to this day. Ron Haskell's attorneys, they did beg the jury to use compassion and forgiveness in considering the sentencing for Listen, them. How those could they two, even do that? Those two words do not belong in any sort of reference to Ron Haskell. No, I Ronald, agree. Ronald, whatever his name is. I hope the attorney at that point was like, what am I doing with my life? For sure. Inside. I really hope that was the turning point where it was like, I am asking for Why a jury. Why am I defending this man? To have compassion when he... Point blank killed a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 12 or 13, I'm sorry, 13 or 14. Yeah. Two parents and attempted to kill a 15-year-old. Yeah. Please have compassion and forgiveness. Can you have some compassion and forgiveness, 12 members of his peers? Mm -hmm. Fuck off. I hope you tripped a lot and fell on your face daily. (laughs) Daily. Until you got a new job. Stepping on Legos. No, I think... um, I know the death penalty is different. Everyone has different feelings on it. Sure. But the asking for compassion, forgiveness is a very bold request yes, in this case. I agree. I, I don't like that at all. It turns my stomach. Yeah. I mean, there could have been a lot of other ways without putting it like that. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, choose your words wisely, troll lawyer. Defender of trolls. Defender of the trolls um, of the universe. The the prosecutor Lauren Bard told jury told the jury that Haskell's issues are not his mental illness. His personality is his issue, mm-hmm. describing him as a manipulative, selfish, narcissistic, blame shifting monster. Get I it, agree. Lauren. Get it. I agree. Uh, prosecutors said that Haskell had faked symptoms of mental illness and had meticulously crafted a plan to hurt everybody who helped his ex-wife escape. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame for people who legitimately suffer from mental illness. I know. It is. Several hours after meeting, the jury did come to their conclusion. I don't think it was a really tough decision in this case. Um, they did find him guilty, and that they did did request the death penalty. Yeah, this is Texas. In this case, hello. Yep. So he, um, he did receive the death penalty in Texas, mm-hmm. and he is anticipated to die by lethal injection from mm, from that's this. Still too easy. Um, yeah. So at the trial. Cassidy, she had to testify. She uh-huh. is an amazing, amazing girl. She was, I believe, 19 or 20 at the time that this happened because yeah. five years had passed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read you the victim's impact statement. Oh, man. And you're going to hold me okay. as, yeah. as hold I on. weep. Come here, baby. Um, Come no, sit on mama's lap. I actually am just in awe of how, I don't want to say forgiving, but it shows her resiliency is just out of this world. It, I have no words for it. Okay. So this is what she read to She Ronald. also wants to make sure that he doesn't have any more power. Yeah. 
I think that then that that's the kicker. Yeah. For a man like that. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to mention too. I've been skipping ahead in my notes cause I know this case very well. Um, but when Ronald was arrested for the first time and he went to court the next day, he like collapsed. In oh, court, Jesus. Like passed out. Like, and he had to be escorted out by wheelchair because he was so like distraught and okay, Michelle McDonald. I know that's who I thought of. I was like, this reminds me of the dramatic um, attorney from your case. But good God, yeah, I just thought I'd throw that in. He was like, he passed out twice, and they had to escort him out by wheelchair. What a fucking puss bag. Yeah. God. So okay, this is what Cassidy read to Ronald Haskell at the trial. She said. For the past years, I've always wanted to know how you felt about me and what kind of remorse you felt. My family always said that you only felt sorry for yourself, and I didn't want to believe that because I thought surely he has to feel bad for killing my family. And when I heard that you felt no remorse, something changed inside of me, and I didn't know what to do with that change, and it was causing me a lot of hurt and anger because that was my closure. My closure was the hope that you would feel bad. I no longer have that desire for closure anymore because this is it. There's nothing left on this earth that will soothe my wounds and worries. Only God can help me now. And that is what I have decided to do with my anger and resentment towards you. I'm letting go of my emotions and I am giving it to God because he will take care of me and help me through this. The jury decided that you were going to die by lethal injection and I respect their decision. Do I think the punishment fits the crime? No. I hope that when you die, you will get the punishment you deserve from God. Only God can help you now. Are you going to feel remorse one day? I don't know. And I want to tell you that I don't care anymore. I'm going to continue to live my life with happiness and I'm going to move forward. And, when I, and I am going to forget about this. I'm going to forget about you. You have been in control long enough, and now your game is up. You are not in control anymore. You have lost, and this is it for you. God will be there for you when you need him, and I'm sure that time is going to come quickly for you, whether you like it or not. I think with someone who wanted all that power and control, some of these things were like the best she could have said. For sure. Game's up. Yeah. You don't have control anymore. You do not have power anymore. You don't have control anymore. And from this point forward, I don't think of you anymore. Yep. And I don't care. And she read this like a freaking boss. Wow. Like, I can't even get through this case. And she, like, she's Good just such her. a powerful girl. So, so amazing. I will tell you that Melanie Lyon, who used to be Haskell, mm-hmm. um, we will not call her by that name. Right. Um, she blames herself for this and what happened. I'm sure, but... And it is, that is, it's Ronald, the troll Haskell that did this, not her. She was quoted saying that this was the price that she paid for her freedom and at the oh. trial during her testimony she stated that this was a promise from ron followed through that she would watch her family die oh my god yeah i cannot imagine the pain that this woman has gone through blaming herself yes. for her family and then has to live with it and that's to him the ultimate power yeah right there is that he knows that he succeeded yeah in taking part of her family that's why he started with them and not her Exactly. He, he may have known exactly where she was. That's true. He could have known because, yeah, he went straight to her, her sister's house first. Like I said, they were celebrating. They helped her leave. Mm-hmm. So they they mm-hmm. had to pay too. Mm-hmm. 
It's just so unfortunate because she fought so hard to get away from this. I think I hate him more than any of our other perps thus far. He is, like, on the top of my list. I really struggle with DV stuff, though, so that might be why, but... Same. Same. There's not a category for worst murderer. They all freaking suck. They do. But it's just... This one is just so cold-blooded. Oh, it is. Heartless. It's It's just horrible. Unimaginable. Now I'm gonna need you to hold me again, please. Okay. All right. Swaddle me in Switch linens. Sides. This leg is getting numb. Let's, <laughs> let's go over to the other leg. Okay, I'm ready. Now, so swaddle me in linens. <laughs> Give me your finest linens, please. Three thousand count Egyptian cotton only. I I'm bougie yes. with my linens. No. So at the funeral for Cassidy's family, she wrote a very beautiful speech, and Cassidy did. She did. Just she, days after being th- went going through that. So I don't know when the funeral, the ceremony took place. I'm not sure how okay. much time had passed, you know, before the they had the funeral oh. or the celebration um, for them. Celebration. Let me start that over. I'm not sure how much time passed before they had. They did have a ceremony in honor of all of the family. Okay. Uh, but Cassidy did speak at that. So in Cassidy's speech, she had mentioned a quote from Dumbledore. Oh, no. You're for gonna... all of the Harry Potter fans I out there. I am a huge HP fan. Yeah. So she put into her message about her family this quote. She said, in The Prisoner of Azkaban, Dumbledore says, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. Oh. Now, when she said this, um, this case got a lot of uh, attention media wise like in the area and so this really touched the hearts of millions of people a lot of news um stations were picking this up and and you know sharing that quote that she had said and in doing that it also got the attention attention of jk rowling creator of the harry potter series Mm -hmm. and she ended up writing to cassidy and sending this like care package to her after hearing her story and she um she put in the package a copy of the third book which i think was the one that was out at the time um and she included a wand and an acceptance letter to hogwarts school and she also included a letter with several paragraphs written from the point of dumbledore telling her Basically, what the headmaster would have told her if he could have. Oh my god! Isn't that so heartwarming? It is. That's that so really awesome is. that she did that. Wow. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. I. Well, I'm not the same person that I was I 50 know, minutes ago. So thanks for um, that. Just a little, just um, a little bit about Cassidy. There's not a lot out there. I think she rightfully has disappeared out sure. of the limelight, but. Um, as of in, in 2019, she was a student at Brigham Young University in Idaho. Oh, great. She was engaged, and I think she just recently got married. So I think Amazing. she's doing wonderful so. as, as best as she can. You know, I, so. I don't think those wounds ever fully healed. But No, but I hope that she just from this point on, she's went through all of life's struggles all at once, and now they're done, and she has a beautiful, she's easy life from here on out. She's one of the most out. resilient people I've ever yeah read about to have my that life. happen at such a young age I can't fathom to be able to speak and testify yes. and I just I couldn't do it I couldn't did it ever say who take took care of her relative wise until she was an adult you or? know I didn't see that I'm I mean not they sure. sounded like a close-knit family so they, I think they were and if you know seeing pictures they looked like a beautiful family yeah. so um, I'm not sure who 
who she went to live with, but I think she had definitely loving options to go to. Yeah. Um, Ronald Haskell is still on death row. He is in the Allen B. Polunsky unit near Livingston awaiting his execution. Right. Getting painful nail enemas daily. (sighs) One can only hope. And yeah, that's, that is, I'm going to say the story of Cassidy's stay, her survival story. This is not the story of Ron Haskell. No, it's not. Um, But just, Ron who? We don't even care. Exactly. The troll. It is one of the most heart-wrenching cases Mm -hmm. I've done. For sure. So if you got through it, Thank you. Congratulations. Your prize at the end is a brain bath and that's it. And and your prize at the end is a actually a personal brain bath. Oh, really? I thought, you know, okay. this is a hard case. I'm going to share a story with the world. Okay. I love it. Love a, it. A personal story. You know, okay. these just come to me randomly yes. and I'm like, oh, that one time. I do. Well, one game to me. I've been so. your friend a long time. I know. <laughs> I know. I just randomly will insert things like my yes, mom hit a bus. Amber, br- you just told everyone. When you randomly insert things. Oh, God. <laughs> Just want you to know. Please don't leave me. <laughs> this is why I love you. <laughs> oh, Charnel, you've known me so Just long. Like, you know I randomly insert things. I, on Facebook, I said I love nut buds. Yes, you did. The creamer, non-dairy. Um, right. It's delicious, but The anyway. way she wrote it, though, was, it, it was a little scandalous. It was. Now, okay, so I'm going to share this story with you. This was something that happened to me, like, probably two years ago, we're talking. Uh, It was the winter time. Um, I was getting my son ready for school, and we're, you know, we're heading out. And we get in the car, and so as we're heading toward his school, my car starts making the most horrific loud noise. I'm immediately panicking because I'm like, oh, my God, it sounds like something, like the wheel's going to fall off. It was loud. And it's winter. And it's winter. And I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? Do I try to get him to school? I I mean, we were like halfway to the school. So I was like, I'm just going to try to keep going. For sure. I'm going to try to Flintstone it. Yeah. To (laughs) the parking lot. Get him there at least. Like, And yes, if we make it to the parking lot, I can at least like call for help or whatever. So I do get him to school. I drop him off. And then as soon as as I leave, I am on the phone with the dealership I usually take my car to I'm like oh my god my car is making this loud noise it sounds like like something's rubbing on the wheel something's like gonna fall off I don't know I've never heard it do this before I'm afraid I'm gonna get stranded like can I bring it right now while it's still running so I don't have to pay for a tow truck you know they're like yes bring it it was first thing in the morning thankfully so they're like yes bring it in, pull it up to the garage. We'll have him like wave you in when they're ready. Thank you, baby Jesus. Thank you. So I pull in, there's somebody in front of me. So I have to wait. I'm like, you know, like they pull the garage door up. And so I'm waiting and I'm like, oh my God, come on. My car's still running. Like freaking hurry up people. I don't want to have to push it into this garage. (laughs) So it was like an eternity waiting. Finally, they open the garage door. They wave me in. And so the couple of the service guys come over to my window and I'm like, at this point, like, I'm not gonna lie, tears were shed. I was gonna say, are you crying? Because I was crying, like, aren't you? I was crying. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I can't afford to fix my car right now. You know, thank you life. May right. I have another? Right. <laughs> I was upset. And, and so I tell them what's going on. I'm like, it just started making this noise. I don't know. It's just like, it's either something rubbing, something's going to fall off. Not sure. Right. I'm emotionally unstable. Right. Like, forgive me for yeah. my behaviors. 
So they have me pop the hood. They're looking around, inspecting the situation. They come back probably like two minutes later, and they're like, ma'am. Oh, no. You have a large tree branch stuck underneath your car. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I can't tell you how freaking awkward this this like couple of seconds were that we were staring at each other. <laughs> because it hit me. That's what it was yeah. the whole time. Never thought to look under my car. Never. And we're looking at each other. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. How right. do we, how um, socially do we move yeah, on? Yeah. How do from we this? move forward? So, all I could say is, I'm going to go now. <laughs> I'm going to go. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for discovering the tree branch. What do I owe you? <laughs> and I drove off shame, very shamefully. Was out the of tree the branch still there? <laughs> they did take it, they oh, did remove nice. it for me um and I drove away and I am confident they were laughing their asses off after I left 110 percent they were trying so hard not to laugh at me that like right then oh they're just like how professional of them because I I probably would have brought you the large tree branch and would have been like here you are we extracted this It's pretty hard case to crack. Yep. So that's that's my story. Um, Amber, it Amber, happened locally, and I am still not over it. And some people may be listening and be like, "Oh my God, that's the Amber, the I podcast did, that I love." Yep. The, that's the girl. I did know someone that worked there at the time, and so like I think I had mentioned it on Facebook at the time because it was funny, and he was like, "Trust me, it was it was like the laugh of the dealership." And I'm like, "I'm so glad I just drove away, just drove away." Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. Thank you for yeah, your time. That's what I'm like, so I'm gonna go. Yeah. Like, what do you say? Nothing. You. That's all I would have. I would have been like, well, I knew that. I was just making sure you guys knew that and that you weren't going to charge me for something extra. So now I know I can trust you. You the test. As a future customer, when something's legit wrong, yeah, I know I can, I can come count to on you guys. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, but it was such a... I was in crisis mode. I'm like, something's falling off this You're car. You're crying. You I poor can't, thing. Yeah. I'm like, I can't get a break. And right. it was a branch. Under the under the car, dragging Sometimes along. Sometimes in life, we make catastrophes out of small situations. We do, and I'm I'm here for that. I'm your girl for that. So, oh yeah, that's it. it's true. It you happened. Also, might be the reason why I get offended when I go to a dealership and they act like I don't know anything because simply because people because like I'm me. a woman. And I'll be like, listen, I know because of my best friend. That you think that I don't know what I'm talking about, but but I do. I checked under my car, and there isn't a tree branch. So, haha! I know it's not that. Talk about oh, fitting the stereotype that I day. Love you. We all do at some point in time or another in our life. Yeah. So there, there you have it. That's thank my, you for that. That is my personal brain bath for I'm you. So happy you shared that. I bet a lot of people can relate. We've all had a moment in our life where we're like. 
Yep. Okay. I'm going to pretend like this never happened. A lesson was learned mm-hmm. here yep. today. <laughs> you know to check <laughs> under your car first. For noises. Also, yep. why'd you run over a large tree branch? I, you know, I was thinking about that. And I'm like, how did that rascal get under there? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> was it under there? Because I used to, like where I lived, there was a lot of pine trees before. Yeah. Did I park over it? I mean, it's not unlike me to barrel over some things like I don't know I don't know where it came from but I didn't see it you probably the night before parked on it maybe barreled in like Cruella DeVille in her Cadillac or whatever it is that she drives I honestly think realistically that is what happened you just went right over it in the parking lot of your apartment complex at the time and didn't give it a second's thought I think that's that is probably what happened you were home to the day to your dog And that's all that mattered. (laughs) And it is very common for me to come rolling in to work and just like, like not stop at the end of the parking lot and just kind of like roll into the snowbank or whatever. (laughs) That'll stop me. My Jabiz coworkers just let me live my life. (laughs) So I could have just like barreled over it in the dark and not seen it and drug it with me in the morning. Sure did. Took it for the morning drive. And I'm still alive today. Oh, I've made it best. this far. Somehow, so. by God's grace only, my yeah. friend. Yep, I'm right. still here. Well, thank you for that, and uh, hope you enjoyed that. That was a lovely palate cleanser, by the way, after thank that you. horrific case of so things. I, I hope it was. It really was. Follow us on social media, guys. Send your case suggestions to crimecurious at yahoo.com with case suggestion in the subject line, or uh, send us a message on any of the socials. So, yeah. Until, oh, and if you want more of us, join our Patreon. We have we so much do. fun there. We really, really do. We just had our bonus episode release. It's the um, man child. Yes, another a with, man child. With a very vicious mm-hmm. porn addiction that turned yeah. fatal. Yes, um, it was a wonderfully You don't want to miss that one. Case. You don't want to miss that you one. Don't. Yeah, we have a lot of fun in there. So, yeah, Crime Curious, Patreon.com. If you're interested, there's different membership levels. So, there's that. All right, everyone. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.